on welcome hello and welcome welcome to beyond small talk every thursday at the four o'clock eastern standard hour so happy you're here to join us today my name is jackie janik and i'm a women's empowerment coach helping women uncover their purpose and define their own path in the world and today you're watching beyond small talk Real women, real conversations, elevating womenkind one talk at a time. And I couldn't be more honored, excited, privileged for this conversation is going to be off the hook with a dear friend of mine. We've sat in many women's circles together. Her name is Amanda Alapad and her handle is Amanda underscore Alapad. We'll put it on here. And we're going to be talking today about rewild birth. Amanda is a mother, wife, doula, yogi, personal trainer, boxing champion and we're going to get in into the unconventional as society says um wings of birth and i can't wait to get real questions for you amanda i'm so happy to see you oh my god and amanda she's coming right on and she loads your website hello hi hi so good to see you Oh my God, it is so good to see you. Like, I see you on IG and you like share your world, but I just like in person, kind of. You know, I was thinking like one of the very first women's circles I've ever sat on and in was with you, you know, what, 10, 11 years ago? Um, Yeah, the summer of 2010. And I said, when, oh my God. And I think I met you. uh, We didn't know we were going into the same place, but in the elevator. And I was like, I swear I saw her before. And I just, you just have that energy where you're going to change people's lives. And you you do. And you did mine. And I'm always like, physically, because you've kicked my ass in yoga. Yeah. And mentally. Side side passions, for sure. Kicking people's ass. (laughs) <laughs> you do it well <laughs> how are you doing I'm good I'm good today and um you know I've been admiring and like commenting on all your posts about this new rewild birth and your journey on motherhood and I wish I knew more about this eight years ago but hey it is what it is I'm embracing now you know. it now now yeah, I know and now, now I, know. I feel like you I have to share this I've been talking a lot about women and I remember when I gave birth to Sophie I told women like all like legit what happened not what you see on tv not what they think not any of that and people are like wow you're really real about it I was like because that really happens <laughs> yeah yeah and it's about time we start talking about the truth of it um, for sure so let's okay. get started okay. um, how how do you define rewild birth what do you so I think we're living in a time where there's a monoculture of birth and basically what I mean is you know you get pregnant and you follow your doctor's orders and you go to the hospital and most likely you'll take the drugs and there'll be a lot of interventions and you know we live with this mantra of like healthy mom healthy baby which I believe is code for like you just make it out alive with your baby, right? And and in a lot of ways, they diminish the actual experience of it. And they say, like, it doesn't matter whatever happens as long as you end up with this baby, right? It shouldn't, like, none of it matters. And I completely disagree with that. And I feel like to rewild birth is to take back that which belongs to us um, and in a way redefine it and reclaim it in a lot of ways and to see it as this rite of passage, this moment of transformation, this really important moment that instead of being a passive participant, right? And you kind of like allow things to happen to you or you defer. And I'm not saying you don't listen to your doctors and don't weigh their opinions, but 
ultimately you become the authority because no one is in your body. No one is as connected to your baby as you, right? You are a single unit. And so it's really, um, it's really taking it back. Yeah. And I think that we just rely, and I know I did a lot, relied on everything the doctor said. Well, in, intuitively, it doesn't always feel right and or hasn't intuitively always felt right during the course of Sophie. She's eight now. Um, you know, you know, I speak about she has autism. Um, there was things that have been gone, gone on these eight years where I just didn't feel like things were right or allowing her to sleep with me and she's eight. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was the one thing. No, you never let the baby sleep on you. I'm like, Bullshit. what? She's a baby. Like, so, so that's also part of me rewilding birth and just motherhood in general is that we have this strong intuition we have this strong knowing but we live in this culture that like everything is wrong or bad and they talk about separating mom and baby from the for, like they don't even give the the cord a chance to write pulsate it's like an immediate breaking and so i'm really about no be with your babies we're physiologically physiologically designed to sleep with our babies to coexist with our babies to, mm -hmm. to use each other for comfort right these are all normal and then of course like you're being told under no circumstances should your baby sleep on you under no circumstances should you nurse your baby to sleep or get them in their room sleep train them separate them mm -hmm. like they should self-soothe like that's just i'm gonna say it again it's bullshit can I tell one quick story? So I was going on, I was following what people were telling me, oh, because Sophie wasn't sleeping through the night. And looking back, it's all, you know, she's autistic. And that was showing up early on, but I just didn't know what that looked like. And I remember one night, they're like, oh, let him cry it out. Okay, I remember this like yesterday, right? Laverne and I, my husband, you know that. <laughs> we were sleeping, I heard her cry, I heard a thump, and then I didn't hear her cry anymore. And I was like, Oh, but I was inside torn the frick of course, up, right? I was of torn up, torn up, walked out the next morning. She fell out of her crib and was on the floor and fell asleep on the floor and had the rug like all in her face. And I was like, never again will I ever listen to anybody else. Yeah. So basically during, after that day, I guess it had to happen to me to be like, no, 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 no. My mother tells me all the time, oh, you should do this. I was like, that's a different time, too. I mean, they didn't yeah. have the resources. They didn't have the knowledge. They didn't have the community. And now we know more about the physiologic design of humans, right? Where, look, if it works for you, I'm also a proponent. Like, if it works for you and yeah. that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I don't know a mother who, who allows their child to cry it out and is not on the inside having a really hard time with it, right? And, like, that says yeah. something, right? And we have these unreasonable expectations because we try to fit our babies into our modern society and our modern approach but there's mm -hmm. it's an evolutionary mismatch because they need night parenting or night mothering they need to be tended to like just because the clock says it's three in the morning doesn't mean that they still don't need a warm body or a presence or a loving embrace look i'm not gonna lie it's hard it's hard you don't we don't have the support structures or the support systems in place to really be able to tend to the to the needs of our children the way that biologically they need right that's a whole larger mm -hmm. conversation of you know we don't have the infrastructure in place um but look my my first child didn't sleep through the night for two years um and you know i'm six months in with my second and he's not sleeping through the night you know and when when i 
I'm exhausted or complain about it. I'm not looking for someone to be like, well, just sleep train. Like, no, that's not, that's not the point. Like I need a nap and a cup of coffee, right? Like <laughs> I, I need, I need a, a, someone to sit with me and be like, yeah, I get it. It's hard. You know, this is, you know, not you just need a soundboard, a community, totally, totally. not that you're asking someone to maybe fix it or change it or do anything. No, you the just answer need answer is, you know, yeah. my baby alone in a dark room, like, I want to be close to someone at night. I want to be close to my husband, right? I want to be cuddled up with mm -hmm. a warm body. I feel safe with someone next to me. Like, why are babies different, you know? So That's a really good point because as adults, when you're married or whatever, don't have to be married, but when you're with a partner, you sleep, you co-sleep for the rest of your life, but yet we life. throw our kids like, yeah. oh, yeah, but you have to go sleep by yourself. I mean, That's a really good sense. And mm -hmm. so, like, even if you're upset in the middle of the night, would your husband be like, go to the other room, I'm going to shut the door and, like, self-soothe by yourself? Like, you should know how to do this. It's just like, but our expectation is that, what, a six-month-old baby should? A one-year-old? Even, you know, my, my daughter is in this space. She's getting up in the middle of the night. She's almost four, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, there's something here, and I'm going to tend to her, you know? Yes, I'll, I'll walk her back, I'll lay with her, and I'll talk to her, but I'm just not like, go to your room, shut the door, and figure it out by yourself. Like... Unfortunately, or fortunately, mothering and parenting is a 24-hour job, you know? So yeah. It's just part of it. I think some people forget that when they decide to become mothers or become parents or fathers. Dads, too. 24-hour yeah. job is not a only mom job. And um, I think, you know, we've both found partners or put that structure around us that For my sure. husband and I know Sebastian is highly involved. And then that's another topic, but like they get pats on the back that they're highly involved. Oh, the dads are like, what do you mean? Like that's how it <laughs> that's should it. be. Right. Like, so I yeah. and look, I don't mean to, you know, demonize anyone who chooses to sleep yeah. train, like, because I know that some moms cannot function on no or low sleep. Right. And like, mm -hmm. that's a choice that they're making. It's either like I do this or I like mentally suffer and I can't, I can't be present any day. So I'm not saying that it's just, it does speak to a larger problem um, that we're all lacking support really. Yeah. And I think all the things that you were saying is like how I've always said that you stretch my mind to think about it differently. Mm -hmm. Right. So like um, I really enjoy watching your pregnancy process. If you want to tell us a little bit more about that and like your birthing process just blows my mind on how, how did you do it? And I know we all do it. And I know your website says you can do, you know, you can, yeah, you got things. Yeah. And I mean, I gave birth. I'm so happy that I was able to have a vaginal birth. I have about 13 girlfriends and I, three of us gave vaginal births. Like that just doesn't. That's, that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty bad odds. Right. Completely. So I was so happy that I was able to do that. And I mentioned it in IG. I love the pushing process. I was going to ask you, does that have any meaning behind it? But I thought that was like, it was great. I loved it. Yes. I did have drugs. Um, and I'm okay with that. And I and I wish I knew more about the cord cutting and all that. I wish I did knew, know more about that. Well, I guess if you could really um, break it down, like that's, that's really what I'm trying to do is just reframe mm -hmm. birth and, and have people and, and women, especially think about it differently like there are a lot of choices and there are a lot of ways and you are an active participant in this experience so for me I was a doula for many years before I became pregnant and so I was exposed to birth in hospitals and homes and birthing centers I saw medicated births unmedicated births um, births that were really left to its own devices and heavily managed births and the whole spectrum and I just knew for me I wanted to have a home birth I had enlisted the support of my husband early on, like, hey, I just want to let you know, whenever we have a child, 
I'm going to be giving birth at home. And he was on board from the beginning. He never mm -hmm. doubted me. He never, because I would also come back from these births and be like, I would process with him. I'd be like, this happened and this happened. You know, I constantly was showing him birth videos and just like really sensitizing him to like this experience. Um, so my first birth was 70 hours, which was, you know, nothing like I expected it to be. Because up until that point, I had only seen a 40 hour birth. So that was like, okay, so if I have a long birth, it'll be like 40 hours. So mine was almost double that. Um, and it was really, really difficult because it was just dragging on and I wasn't dilating, but nothing was wrong, right? Like baby was mm -hmm. never in distress. I was fine. And I kept checking in, like, am I okay? Do I want to go to the hospital? And the answer was no, because I knew what was going to happen. They would have given me a pathology. They would have given me some kind of drugs to speed it up. They would have you know, told me that I was not having adequate contractions, like they would have totally started to interfere. And when, mm. again, when I just got quiet, I'm like, am I okay? Yes, I'm fine. It sucks. I want this to be over. This is taking so long, but we're fine. And that was a pivotal moment because I had the home birth that I wanted. Um, and I pushed for three and a half hours. And um, similar to you, I liked that point because I felt like okay, like something's happening as opposed to just contraction mm -hmm. after contraction. It's just like, how many more? Like, at least it was like a little bit more active in a way, mm. right? And you know, like you're pushing and the baby's coming out. Um, yeah, I thought it was great because also you feel like then all, well, I was in the hospital and then more people came around. So it was like, I like being cheered. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like energy shift, right? Like everyone kind yeah. of like, gets a, you know, a little boost. And it's like, all right, let's do this. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, and I love the fact that, sorry to interrupt, um, that it's still up to the child. It's still up to the baby, even though um, when I was in the room, everyone was trying to like a bit move it on, right? Because yeah. there was a lot of other women all pregnant waiting behind me to use the room because that's another thing. Like they need to empty the room, get you in and out because there's other people. Well, and to know so, that like when you walk into a hospital, there you are on a clock right you are you do yeah. like sort of a time frame and that's one of the nice things about giving birth at home like it takes as long as it takes right and there's no pressure of oh my god it you know if i don't dilate at a certain rate by a certain time you know like that's which is nuts that you feel that well once you understand the physiologic design of birth you see that largely hospitals are a mismatch you know mm -hmm. it just right so in order to give birth it needs to be quiet you need to feel safe usually darkness, privacy, the same space you would want to have sex in, the same space you want to take a poop in, right? So yeah. think about a hospital, people coming in and out, loud machines, beeping noises, uh, bright lights. Light. Um, the light is like deafening. And then the TV was on. And I remember they're like, okay, you're ready to go. And everyone all of a sudden, um, like there was more energy, right? Which I didn't mind the energy, but then they're like, okay, she's ready to come out. And all of a sudden the monitor and everything, it stopped, she stopped. And I, and then the doctor looked up and said, oh, I guess we're on her time, not ours. And I was like, she was so smart to do that. Cause it was like, just like this like clue that came out that just said, no, this well, isn't about, this is still about the baby. What's she was like, no, no. Usually when you reach 10 centimeters, there is a little bit of a lull. 
it's sort mm-hmm. of like a resting period because then the pussy oh. tends to be, you know, a little bit more physically demanding. So that's like the genius and the intelligence of the design. Like, okay, you, you, and this is not, not nothing is true for all women or all experiences, but <laughs> generally speaking, there usually is a lull between when you reach 10 centimeters and when you feel the urge to push. And that's for you to kind of, you know, get your energy up. Right. And for that, mm-hmm. that final push uh, of the pushing stage. So it worked out. So yeah. I just, uh, yeah. And yeah. Sophie knew what was going on too. So I was like, that's great. So uh, with your daughter, you were at home. It was 70 hours. Um, so, and with that, um, how did you get through it? Like, what was your mindset around there? I know okay. you said you're okay. Yeah. but I mean, like, I'm really, I'm stubborn. Uh, I have pretty intense mental fortitude and I've been yeah. working out since I'm 14 years old, I'm no stranger to physical sensation. I was a boxer for many years. I mean, my physical training definitely played a role because I was used to being pushed to the edge. I was used to feeling burning and stretching and, you know, like I wasn't scared of that. Um, I did a lot of preparation. I did a lot of fear clearing. I had my birth vision board. I had my mantras. I had a very, very supportive husband. I had a supportive doula. Um, I trusted myself and I knew the alternative. And I didn't want the alternative. And so, what, you know, what, because it was taking so long and I, you know, what, is there something wrong? What's going on? It's just like, no, this is birth. This is normal. You know, my midwife was like, this is just a normal birth. Like nothing special, you know, it just, we just are not used to seeing birth take time. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. Three days. For sure. Three days, three mm-hmm. hours of pushing. I thought we were having a boy. She was born in April fools. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it was the high, it was the high yeah. of my lifetime. It was just, yeah. I did it. I did this insane, crazy thing. And I have this perfect, beautiful baby. And I was home. I was in my space. There was nowhere to go. I took a shower, my own shower, pulled the clothes out of my own drawers. You know, it's just like, for me, that's important. You know, my, my yeah. doula made me a smoothie with a little placenta. You know, like these things that like I wanted that are not possible in most medical situations. Um, oh, my, yeah, my no. husband took the placenta and like made art like he like stamped it on paper and <gasps> I did that's so creative uh, like, that's just yeah, yeah it was just like it was like I never I didn't have to go in the car I didn't have to put the baby in the car seat like you know they cleaned like the midwife and and my doula like cleaned up our home and it was just like so so peaceful so so that's so nice Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just giving like reframing what birth looks like. Yeah, and like that's it. Like, like you said, it's not for everybody, but yeah. you have an option. Yeah. And so when I work with women, it's more, it's like the first question is, what do you believe to be true about birth? Do you believe birth is a normal, natural, physiological process that's largely, um, but it's, it's largely beneficial to like let it unfold on its own? Or do you believe birth needs to be managed, needs to be manipulated, needs to be interfered with, needs to be under surveillance? Like, and look, it, that's up to you to decide. That's, I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong way to view it. But if you view birth, you know, as something that's normal and natural and physiologic, then you might choose to have your baby at home, right? Then you might choose a, out of the system birth. You know, if you feel like, you know what, I like the data. I like to see my baby on the sonogram. I like to get all of this information. I want them to track me. I want them to speed it up if it slows down. Okay, then, then you're better off giving birth in a hospital. You know, I think a lot of women run into challenges where they have an expectation. They didn't ask these questions. There might be a mismatch with their provider. And then the day of their birth, they're blindsided because, well, I thought it was going to be this way, or I thought they, you know, it's, there's not clear communication. 
Right, 100%. So then when you had your son, who is six months old, right? Yeah. I'm sure. Then you thought, well, here we go again. Like, I feel like you probably, maybe, did you think, okay, well, I know what to expect. And then you don't know what to expect. So I said that slightly. I mean, number one, we were in a pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit crazy. Um, number two, I chose to have a little bit more of a wild pregnancy. And so I did know. So with my first child, I only did the anatomy scan. But mm -hmm. I did do like the gestational diabetes test using grape juice. I did a GBS strep test. Like I kind of like I opted out of a lot, but I still I still engaged with the system for the second pregnancy. I really decided to like lean into the mystery and lean into the unknown and really trust the process. So no sonograms, no GBS, no nothing, 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 nothing. I loosely saw a midwife and I was very clear with her that I was considering having a free birth which is basically a birth where there's no medical provider, no, no OB, no midwife, no doula. And I was really, I was really trying that on. And I was really, mm -hmm. that. and so I just had a pregnancy that I leaned into my intuition and I leaned in the, to, to the connection. And so I bought a fetoscope, which is a, like a stethoscope that you can listen to your baby's heartbeat. And, you know, I would periodically check in and, you know, I was also, we were at our sanctuary home in the Poconos and I was, you know, eating eggs from the neighbor and, you know, homemade breads and butters. And it was just like, you know, very like low key pregnancy. And, um, you know, and there were definitely moments of like, am I totally out of my mind for like not having any sonograms or like yeah. not doing any testing. Um, but then I just kept checking in, you know, because just because you get a sonogram, there's no guarantee, right? It's a like mm. constant time of a moment, you know, you could walk out and something could happen. Um, but my baby was two weeks late. And that was really difficult because my daughter's labor started on her due date, right? So I, I, even though it was three days later, I was still in labor. So I never really experienced the time beyond a due date. And due dates are bullshit. That's another thing that's like, yeah. you know, somewhat arbitrary. But it was still like this mark in time that I reached. I reached 40 weeks and there was no baby and no baby and, you know, 41 weeks, no baby, no baby. And everyone's so good intention, you know texting and calling and anything and like there's pressure right um and then it was like well what's wrong why is this baby not coming and what do i have to engage with the system and i've you know i've didn't for this long uh, but then luckily um i was 41 plus six so i was one day shy of 42 weeks and uh my midwife was there i, I did not have a free birth however because she knew that that was a big desire of mine she basically stayed in my living room and i stayed in my bedroom and I largely was alone. And that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I navigated, you know, my husband was there and he would go between me and tending to my daughter. Uh, and then we actually had my mom come to stay with, with my first child. And, uh, you know, I just, I was really in it. It was really hard. It was much harder than my first birth, which is crazy. It was only seven hours compared to 70 hours. Um, but it, it surprised me the level of intensity it was. And um, I... I have such good feelings about it because I was the authority because I did navigate because I changed positions and I, and I just went with, with whatever I was feeling, whatever, you know, the communication between my baby and my body. And, and he was huge. He was uh, over nine pounds and my daughter was only seven pounds. So he was two pounds bigger than my first child. And, and when you're talking this big now, like, that's a lot. Like that's, percentage-wise, that's a big difference. And, and he was that big. I was like, oh, that's part of the reason why this was so intense. Because he was a – and my, my belly was bigger in my second pregnancy. But I was mm -hmm. like, it's just this quarantine, all the butter I'm eating. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, no, he was he was a, two, a full two pounds bigger than, than my first baby. So, um, yeah, totally rocked my world. 
and you said it was seven hours, so you would think, but how do you consider like what's exactly the birthing time when you start the con- what do you consider those seven hours were they? Um, I mean, okay, so I, I gave birth on a Tuesday. Like I started to feel a little bit on Sunday and I started to feel mm-hmm. a little bit on Monday, but nothing consistent. I, I knew that it was coming, right? Mm-hmm. And then on Tuesday morning, I woke up and I made my daughter breakfast and then it just took me. It just was like, Ooh. so my husband was like the one who's like, oh, I'm just going to call the midwife because like we were only used to what we were, we experienced in my first birth, which was like the slow, steady progression. Like we weren't used to like full on zero to 60, and, yeah. you know, so when she came over, she was like, Do, I'll leave if you want. But like, this is happening and this is happening soon. You know, like I th- I asked her to check me and I think at that point, you know, I was maybe like six or seven centimeters. And I was like, what, what? Like, this is going to go on for days? Like, what? Um, you know, and at the end of the day, even though I wanted a free birth and I tried it on, I was still really glad that she was there um, and that she she respected what I wanted, which was a lot of space and a lot of freedom and a lot of autonomy. And she later said, look, you might have had a C-section in the hospital because I was literally lunging, squatting, leg up on the furniture, moving all around. And I wasn't consciously like, Oh, let me do this. It was literally like I surrendered to the process. And I think it's the way that he was negotiating his way out of my narrow pelvis. Right. So that to me is a That's wild it. birth, right? Like freedom of movement, freedom of, I took a shower. I got, I drank when I wanted, I, I didn't have to ask permission to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems crazy when you think about it, right? Like you're, you're giving birth and you have to ask if you could eat or you have to ask if you could <laughs> move and I never thought of it that way until you're talking about it because um I literally remember and yeah like oh can I go to the bathroom and I was like I have to ask. like now that you say it it's, it's crazy wild but that's, it like, that's makes no sense our you know for me too our level of conditioning and indoctrination yeah. into a system that like we actually think it's a it's appropriate to have to ask if we could eat during our labors, if we could go to the bathroom, if we could move, right? Like, yeah. oh, am I going to be able to move? Um, so I really, I'm speaking to women that like, there are options, there are choices. And part of it is just be, being educated, right? And taking the time and, and knowing that just because they tell you that this is the way, it doesn't have to be the way. Yeah. And being okay with the questioning the process, of right? Course, like, of like, just be okay. That's I always think is like almost like step one, like, it's okay, if you feel like you need to question it, like, you don't have to just do what everyone says you have to do, you speaks, could question it. That speaks to the larger um, problem that we've given our authority away. And we've given um, our, in a way, like our ownership and our self reliance, like, look, if there's a if there's a medical problem, would I consult with a doctor? Sure. You know, I'm not saying like it's all bad, but we live in a monoculture of birth and that's not great for everybody. And we're not having great birth outcomes. Right. And how many women do you know have had traumatic birth experiences? Right. This should not be the norm. Right. And it's like, well, I have my I have my baby now, so it doesn't matter. And it's like it matters. It really does. It, it so matters. A friend of uh, Sophie's, one of her friends, mom, I became friendly with, and she just had her baby. And she lives, um, I don't know if Tracy's on, but I'm not spilling her beads. But she um, had her birth during the pandemic as well in the hospital. And then after, she got really ill. And she knew something was wrong. She called a doctor. She did all those things. And, and they were like, kind of ignoring her. And then when she was telling me the story, all I kept thinking was like, you have a voice 
voice and they ignored it straight up ignored it yep. right and she literally she's like i am so serious that i was almost on death yep. she's like because i called this and she followed what they tell you to do and i was like i'm so happy you listened to yourself because at the last moment she's like i got in a cab and i went to the hospital and i said you you guys are seeing me right now because yeah. this is not right and you know your body best like well, that's, totally that's the thing. it's like we, we're led to believe that someone outside of us yeah. that's not in our bodies and not in our experience knows better and again i'm not saying that you can't take their information or their insight or their yeah. opinion right and try it on and, and feel it but ultimately you know best and I, I, that's my message to mothers like you know best you know your baby better than anybody right your baby is made from you in you right so i i i just really want women to know that the bar is very low right now and it's time for us to raise the bar and, and to take ownership and really to take back what I said from the beginning, what belongs to us. And what belongs to us is, is birthing on our own terms in our own way. Yeah. And I'm sure women might get pushed back from family or friends or et cetera. Um, but that's, again, where you build communities of it's okay to have these conversations and it's okay to do that, um, which I think. Like, that's what we all need, because especially in this whole world of autism and motherhood, and there's a lot of um, misconceptions out there. There's a lot of I've encountered um, judgments around it. And it's a lot of adding on extra layers to motherhood. Um, and just knowing that I could I continue to question things mm -hmm. right, all the time. Mm -hmm. I continue that I have search more of a holistic route people mm -hmm. question what's the holistic part i was like there's so much in autism with the holistic approaches that i can take mm -hmm. and it's just nice to hear from you that encouraging supporting loving women through the questioning to um just being intuitive and feeling your own body and listening to yourself totally. like just do that also, and it's okay let's be totally honest you're the customer right you are the customer you're you are you are hiring your doctor right? You are paying him. Uh, you know, like you're the client, however you want to frame it. It's like, of course you should ask questions. And if your doctor's getting pissed at you or annoyed, then maybe that's not the right care provider for you, right? If, if you're wondering about your experience and asking or saying, hey, I would really like delayed cord clamping, or I would really like immediate skin to skin, or I want under no circumstances to be offered drugs or whatever it is, and, you, and you're getting pushback, it might be time to find something yeah. new, you know, because clearly there's a misalignment there. So part of my yeah. work too with women is to make sure that whoever they choose, whatever path they choose, there's complete alignment between what it makes so want. sense. It, yeah. And, and I think women just don't even realize they just choose a provider. Yeah, that we have a choice. So I'm going through that with, I speak a lot about being in perimetopause and something, I just feel off. Like I feel something's off and I don't like the answers that I've been getting, like like in the general medical world of, it's the process. I, I No, 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 there's something not right, right? So I'm, I'm seeking and I'm on my third provider. Now I've reached out to holistic and this and that, and I'm trying to court, like um, collide both of the worlds to figure out what works for me. So yeah, I encourage that too. Maybe you're just not with the right person, your yeah, right provider. Right. And we're like, we forget, I forget, I pay doctors. I have insurance. Yes. yes. <laughs> pay a little money for that insurance. <laughs> right? So if you're not happy, then you find somebody else, right? Oh, yeah. Or if you want to be really radical, you do it your own, on your own. 
right? And that's, that's an option. I like, you know, like we have to sort of expand the, that there's many possibilities and there's many pathways. Um, and just because 99% of the world or 99% of Americans do it this one way doesn't mean that that's the only way, right? Yeah. And look, I, I'm sure you experienced this too. You get judged no matter what, right? If you have a medicated birth, you get judged. If you have an unmedicated birth, you get judged. If you co-sleep, you get judged. If you put your baby in a crib to cry alone, you get judged. Like there's no, if you breastfeed, you get judged. If you formula feed, you get judged. So it's like, you're going to get judged no matter what by, you know, a slew of people. So why not just do what you want to do and what you know and trust to be the best for your, you and your baby? Oh, that is perfect. <laughs> that is so perfect. Thank you for saying that. Oh, so I feel like you just gave us all like a permission slip to do it. <laughs> 100%. And I, I just want Thank women to know that. That, that you have, you just give yourself permission, right? This is your life. This is your experience. And it, yes, we're talking about birth, but it really extends to the whole, the whole spectrum of our lives. Yeah, for sure. And um, I like to end knowing some tips and tools around self-care. Like I know we talk about it. I know you bring it into your life. What do you do for you? So since I would say, so I'm six months postpartum and around the three month mark, I decided to get back into exercise. So self-care for me is really centered around movement because yes, I want to be fit and toned, but I just, it makes me feel good. Um, so I recently discovered a love for running, which I like, can't believe. Um, but you know, it's a way for me to step out of my home and get into nature and put on either a podcast or some music and just, I get to move, I get to sweat, I get to just get some endorphins, I get to be with nature and it really refuels me to come back and, you know, do another 24 hour shift or whatever I need to do. <laughs> Um, you know, my time is limited. I'm not going to lie with two small kids and trying to, you know, run and launch a new business and support my husband and do all these things. Um, so my self-care is really centered around movement and also my women's circles. Uh, cause when I sit with other women, that's to me so revitalizing. So whether it's a virtual circle or an in-person circle, um, my self-care exists around other women. Oh, that's Awesome. Yeah, running. That's so interesting. And I love every Thursday for sure. I work out, you know, my husband's a trainer. Thank you. And um, he trains me. And Sounds it's good. been three to four times a week. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it checks a lot of buckets. Like, yes, I'm getting fit, but I'm also spending quality time with yep. him. And you're right with the endorphins. It just like, I feel so much better afterwards. I don't like going, oh my God. <laughs> getting there. Yeah. And I always have like all these excuses in my head or like, you know, yeah. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be better for this. And also, I don't know, I have a little home gym right there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so my husband and I, we, we work out together. I don't feel it as, um, it is still self-care, but there's something about like leaving my home and stepping away for that 20, 30 minute. Like that's really like, because then my kids are not around in my space and I'm not like, okay, let me get you a snack. Oh, you have to pee. Okay. You know, like, oh, I'm going to do a set of yeah. squats in between all of this. You know, like when I leave for that, for that moment that's that feels more replenishing yeah for sure and thank you for the pull-ups i've been like i saw i mean to do a pull-up i want to do a pull-up too i've been like my whole life wanting to do a. I did when i was younger but i was like oh i could get that back so funny i have so Oops. much resistance around it and i'm like wait a second i have two babies at home with no drugs i could do pull-ups like, yeah. <laughs> you can do a pull-up <laughs> but it's well, the mind you. you know the mind is uh is a strong one powerful right mm -hmm. um thank you thank you so much this um, was so this was special just... thank you oh thank you and um
Oh my God, I'm just so excited and just so happy every time. Please, everyone, go follow Amanda Alapat. Um, I'll tag her here. Her stories, your writing is beautiful. You literally bring us into your story, into your life. I feel like I'm sitting right next to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I hope to write a book one day, someday soon. Uh, just about your birth. That's what I was trying to find on your website. I was like, I want everyone to read your birthing process. It's just so amazing. And there's so many levels to it. See, I see it more as yes, you gave birth. And that was but just how you did it, how you got there from your mind, your spirit, your faith around it, not just the physical. I'm still always amazed when you post pictures that a baby comes out of your batch. Like it still blows my freaking mind. Right? Every time you Even see like, it, are you like, what? So I've seen many births, right? And then when it came to like my turn with my first child I was like no 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 like this can't be like, what what is like no 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 like what there no uh, even I was like you know so taken back but I, I do want to acknowledge what you just said thank you for acknowledging that but in a way I'm not special at any mm -hmm. women do women give birth right we could do this and so you know I'm I'm here to remind women of their power and like yeah I gave birth at home and so could you I gave birth without drugs so could you if you want Right. If that resonates, yeah. that if, if you want to rewild your birth, you can. Thank you. Perfect ending. <laughs> thank you. Rewild your birth. You can. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. This Whenever... is lovely. So nice to see you. You too. And if you want to catch it again, Beyond Small Talk every Thursday at four o'clock on IG, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Check us out and we'll be I'll tag everything, Amanda, in this post. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.